Hey, Dr. Mike here. So if you want to live forever-ish, you got to know what's in and what's out. Stay tuned to find out. You're listening to Live Forever-ish, a show dedicated to helping you live just a little longer. Here's your hosts, Dr. Mike and Dr. Crystal Gosser. All right, welcome to Live Foreverish. I'm Dr. Mike, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Crystal Gossert. And today's show, the ins and outs of living forever-ish. There are three ins that you want to do and one out that you don't want to do or have or whatever if you want to live forever-ish. As a quick reminder, Dr. Crystal, go ahead and give us your definition of living forever-ish. Living forever-ish for me means... Being well, having healthy, longer years, not being old and decrepit. It means <laughs> being vibrant, yes. having energy, being strong. able to travel. Yes, being strong. That's what living forever-ish means Love it. Me. Love it. So if that's something that sounds cool to you, it sounds good to me, um, there's uh, one thing you got to do. This is in number one. You need to get refreshing, restorative sleep. Dr. Crystal, there's a lot of people out there. They struggle with this. Yes, they do. And what's worse is they don't know it. Like they don't recognize that it's the sleep that's the issue. Um, They just know that they wake up. They think that, hey, I went to bed at a decent time. I slept all night but I still feel tired. Why don't I have energy? What's going on? It must not be my sleep because I'm sleeping, but the, your quality of sleep yeah, is I think, not there. I think sometimes people confuse, like, it, like it, some people have sleep issues and they actually do wake up. Like they know they're not sleeping well. Other people may have sleep issues, but, but maybe they don't wake up totally, but maybe they're tossing and turning a lot. Right. And that's breaking up the stages of sleep. That's pretty much just as bad as waking up. Exactly. At the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. So we want to wake up feeling refreshed. Um, a lot of people already taking the melatonin. Uh, what? So how, how, if this is an issue for somebody, if they think maybe it's their sleep, not sure, what, what should they do? How can we help them with this? Well, we do know that all roads lead back to stress. So I think the first thing is understanding what's causing you to not feel refreshed when when you wake up, to not feel restorative when you wake up. And a part of that um, has to do with excess cortisol from chronic stress. And we know that cortisol uh, tends to um, suppress melatonin. So cortisol is what gives us energy. Mm-hmm. It, it's what helps us wake up yeah. in the morning get <laughs> to actually get out of bed, get moving. Uh, and then, so it off balances melatonin. So your melatonin should be elevated at night, cortisol during the day, but chronic stress causes the elevated cortisol during the day. So one kind of simple strategy is managing stress and maybe targeting cortisol at night. At night, yeah. Yeah, so basically cortisol should rise through the day, come down in the evening as serotonin goes up. And that 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 little rhythm there is just, it's just disruptive, right, when we're chronically stressed. And so cortisol is just hanging around all the time. Exactly. Yeah, and that's so, not good. That's not good when it's midnight and you're and you're you need to be sleeping. <laughs> Right, it's just, it counters it. You can't, you can't do it. So, what, what would you suggest? Um, 
a lot of choices here. I know. Um, I, I think I know where you're going to go with this because we talk about the uh, these types of herbs a lot. But what would you suggest? I think um, lemon balm is great. Theanine is fantastic. Um, you know, so things that can help you to relax. Chamomile, so relaxing. Hinocchiol. Um, but one nutrient that I want to highlight today, just because of some of the recent research, is ashwagandha. Yeah. We know that ashwagandha is one of the uh, longest used traditional uh, herbs known as an adaptogen. And, um, but not all ashwagandha is created equal. So, uh, an extract of ashwagandha that is standardized to withanolide glycosides. I'll say that again, Dr. Methanolide <laughs> glycoside. Glycoside. Right. Yes. In research, a, a standardization of about 35% uh, with the ashwagandha was shown to decrease cortisol and improve sleep parameters. Yeah. So Let, this particular standardization was specifically studied for sleep. For, for sleep, right. And let's just make sure the audience understands, our listeners understand why this is impo so important because- like you can just take you can just take the herb ashwagandha, right? And that's fine. You can make teas out of it, do different preparations with it. Um, and there are some of those glycosides in there, but you don't know what percent. They could be low, they could be whatever, right? And so what what we're talking about is doing a supplement where a formulator has has taken the time, right, to make sure you have the research proven amount of these glycosides, right? That's the 35%. Right. And, you know, one note to make is you may see other preparations of ashwagandha standardized to other things that may have more of a focus on stress. But this particular standardization, that 35% um, is specifically studied for sleep. Yeah, that's and great. And we have some good sleep outcomes. One, one measure was, you know, the participants in one study woke up just feeling energized, rested, mentally alert um, after taking the ashwagandha. So that's something to consider to to make sure you're getting a, a good night's rest and waking right. up feeling well. Absolutely. So that's um, ashwagandha, the adaptogen to help us with in number one, a good refreshing night's sleep. Ooh, sleeping like a baby, right? That's what we want. <laughs> yes. Number two, in number two is resveratrol and diabetes. Now, this is kind of, we're not saying you want diabetes, <laughs> but, but what we're saying is resveratrol as a nutrient can be really important to living forever-ish. How is it connecting to diabetes here? Well, we're just seeing in the research, there's actually a meta-analysis, and we know that is where a researcher pulls several studies together and evaluates them and then kind of gives us uh, the conclusion, the overall conclusion that we can make based on a grouping of studies. Um, and so there's a grouping of studies and, and they all point to improvements in uh, glycemic control in diabetics um, supplementing with resveratrol doses of about 500 milligrams or more um, in this meta-analysis were associated with lower fasting blood glucose, fasting serum insulin, 
Uh, we know that's the hormone that helps to get the glucose out of the bloodstream and into your cells, um, insulin resistance, as well as some other cardiometabolic parameters. Yeah. Now, if you're like my dad, you're probably going to try to drink enough red wine to get the resveratrol. That's not a good way to do it, right? You really, we're talking about supplementing. All of these, all of these pooled studies, right? They were looking mm-hmm. at supplementation, correct? With yes. resveratrol. Yeah. That's what's key. Yeah. My dad called it the red wine supplement and it's the only one I could ever get him to take. Oh, dad. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, well, cheap, no, no multivitamins, no fish oil. No, he just didn't. No, no. But he did like the red wine supplement. <laughs> you know, I like it too, Dr. Mike. Yeah. He just liked it because it was connected to red wine. Let's go on. So that's resveratrol. We, we, we could do a whole seminar on the benefits of resveratrol. And, and I, you know, being in this industry for a while now, I remember when it first came to light that resveratrol could mimic calorie restriction, turn on those anti-aging genes. But since that point, it seems like every year we learn something else resveratrol does for us, whether it's heart protection here, it's sugar management, right? I mean, it just has so many benefits across the board. Yes, absolutely. Um, And a part of that is because it's affecting the genes, activating those genes that can control various metabolic actions in the body. Epigenetics, a great, fascinating topic. Maybe we should do a show on that. Let's move to in number three. Um, one of my favorite fruits to eat. Um, I don't, I, you know, for some reason, I'm not eating them as much. I just realized that, Dr. Crystal. I'm not sure what's going on. But apples. Yes. Apples. I love apples. I don't know. I, I just now realized I haven't had an apple in a while. And I do you they have my top fruit. Do you have a favorite type? Um, you know, I like the, it's called, I think, the Pink Lady. Okay. It's smaller and it's a little crunchier and sweeter. Mm-hmm. Um, here's an interesting fact. You ready for this fact? <laughs> Bring well, it on. <laughs> well, it's funny. I, I, I set it up as a fact. I'm not sure if I remember the numbers. But um, <laughs> uh, uh, watching one of my favorite food shows... I found out and learned that there used to be like 50 or 60 different varieties of apples in this country versus only about six or seven now that are common. So Where we are lost. the rest? <laughs> I don't know. It's like people stopped. I don't know what happened. I, I don't remember that. But there used to be so many choices of apples. Mm-hmm. And now yeah. we're kind of limited to what? I mean, what are those? Maybe we're probably cultivating. I do know they are cultivated and mixed together to create the sweetest version possible. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness, this apple tastes like it's been injected with sugar. I think that's um, the big ladies. The big ladies are pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell um, us, tell us why you know I, I you know I've been interested in white fleshy fruit for a while. Cause I remember one of the first, um, long, long time ago when I was first in this industry, I learned, I was still practicing medicine, um, that your white fleshy fruits like apples and pears, um, were showed significant reduction in stroke risk. And this is a long, long time ago. Mm. Yeah. And so I've all, so what are, what are we learning about apples today? Well, we do know they contain quercetin, 
One of my favorites is actually uh, an anti-aging nutrient. That that's its latest claim to fame, but also helps with seasonal support. People take it uh, to help with allergies, but it contains flavonoids, also some carotenoids um, that's beneficial for eye and brain health. Uh, so you know those are some of the nutrients, but just one apple per day in research has been associated yeah. with lower risk of dying from cardiovascular disease. There you so go. Wait a second. Wait, a wait a, you're telling me that an apple a day keeps the doctor away might actually be true. <laughs> yes. Is that, is that the statement you're making today? Maybe we should, you know, the doctors may not be so happy about that. They need to see their patients to, you know, make <laughs> some money, but yes, an apple a day. We'll, we'll, we'll see a push of not like there'll be an anti-apple campaign or something. <laughs> yes. And then two apples a day in Ooh. one study, Dr. Mike, reduced cholesterol, LDL oh. cholesterol and triglycerides. So if you take it up a notch. That's maybe in a good. juice, you know, put yeah. a couple of apples if you're juicing, maybe. Uh, Let me ask help. you something, you know, you're being the nutritionist specialist. What about fiber? How, I, I've, I've been, I've heard a lot of different things about apples and fiber that some, some people say there's a lot, not enough. And I've never really looked it up before. What about fiber content? Is it pretty good? Yeah. About three, three grams in an apple. That's decent. Okay. That's, that, yeah, that's one, pretty one, decent. One apple. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty good. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's, obviously with the skin. Um, and that's the, the whole apple. So I know yeah. I mentioned juicing, uh, just now the juicing is not going to give you, you know, kind of that fiber that you find right. in the apple. Right. So, you know, that something to consider it's an good. apple a day. Yeah, why like not? Apples. It's, yeah. it's a great afternoon snack with a, a little bit of almond butter. That's one of my, yeah. well, that is good. Snacks. I've had that. That is good. <laughs> Back in the old days as a kid, it was peanut butter, right? You take a little, right. oh yeah. Now we're fancy. Dip it in the peanut butter, but now we're, yeah, now we're fancy with apple but, uh, or almond <laughs> butters. All right. So that's in number three. If you want to live forever as apples, go ahead and have one or two a day. Um, you might not, you, you know, maybe you won't see your doctor as much. That's kind of cool. All right. What is our out? This is what you don't want to do or acquire or whatever, right? This is the thing that will, will not let you live forever ish. And today we're going to talk, oh boy, fast food. Mm, restaurants. Yes. Fast food restaurants every year. I mean, billions and billions of dollars are made by these processed food places. I know. You want it fast and you want it now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I would say this before we start. Fast food in general, um, it, it, they do make it challenging to make healthy choices, but it's not impossible. It's just all the unhealthy options are there. We can't resist it. Well, yeah, but I mean, listen, I, I'm going to be honest with you. If I'm really going to go to McDonald's or whatever, I'm not going to get apple slices. I'm going to get my French fries. I mean, it's See, not, I, I don't even look it. like an apple. I'm like, what, what loser would get an apple slice at McDonald's? Come on, the French fries are what are awesome. <laughs> that's the problem and and let's not let's not uh, you know salt sugar those kind of things they rev them up in their foods and those are addictive yes very true you know they know what they're doing they know how to keep you coming back 
Oh, I know. So and so now the, the real thing, the reason we're talking about this is a nationwide study found that living in a neighborhood with a higher availability of fast food restaurants could increase risk of developing type 2 diabetes. And to me, it's like, it's a no-brainer. Um, but I think the bigger picture is where, you know, who are we building these these fast food restaurants? Who's really having access to those? And could there be a movement for there to be more of those? And I can't remember the name of the restaurants, right? Where they're not fast food, but they're still quick. It's like, yeah, but the quality is better. They're they're convenient, but but they're better than than the fast food. But you know, it's it's been shown that that lower income communities, which are going to be mostly the minorities, um, they're, they're, they live in food deserts. There's no, they basically fast food is what's, what is around them. Right. And they, and, and these companies cater to those, to those communities. You go to a, a community where there's a little bit more money, what have you, you're going to have way more choices. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but some of these people, they get out and they walk around their, I mean, their block and, and there's five restaurants right there, all fast food, all, all, all saying you can come in for $1 and you get like three things. I know. Cheeseburger, I know. French fry and a Coke, $1. I mean, how is that possible? Yeah. So I think it's the, the point here and the researchers for this study, um, they concluded, and I'll make this quote from the study, the more we learn about the relationship between the food environment and chronic diseases like type 2 diabetes, the more policymakers can act by improving the mix of healthy food options sold in restaurants and outlets. So I think it's just kind of something to that we should all consider. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, I, I think um, for me, I'd like to see just more options available no matter where you live. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like having having fresh markets and stuff, even in, in low income. And I think it's an opportunity for those kind of uh, stores and stuff, right? I mean, fresh market stores, you know, come on, you see, see the low income communities as an opportunity. Um, how do you make your good food available to them? I mean, look, I mean, the fast food restaurants figured it out. Right. So why can't you? And, and so I think that's really key. I think getting more options uh, for them on a daily basis is, 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 is pretty important. There you go. There you go, Dr. Mike. You're three box. ins <laughs> and you're one out. Three ins and one out. Let's go over them again. Number one, if you want to live forever-ish, you got to get refreshed sleep. Go check out ashwagandha. Number two, apples, right? No, no, I'm sorry. I skipped one. Number two, resveratrol. Yes. Uh, key, key um, nutrient and epigenetic nutrient. Go check that out. And then apples, lots of good nutrition. Keeps the doctor away. That might actually be true. And then the out that's going to prevent you from living forever-ish is if you're stuck eating fast food um, uh, at fast food restaurants all the time. But listen, we get it. Some, for some people, that's what they have. You know, and I think as a society, we need to we need to do better for all people. Yes, we do. Food access, healthy food access. Dr. Crystal, thank you so much for joining me today. Don't forget, you go to liveforeverish.com. I'm not sure how many podcasts we have there now, Dr. Crystal, but it's a lot. 
Yes. Right. There's a and, and it covers all kinds of topics. We talk about everything. I mean, we That's really right. do. Go go check out liveforeverish.com and you would just see from sleep to stress to cancer to I mean, it's all over. Um, but we love that. We love bringing you the latest news. And so uh, when you do download a show, go ahead and like it and share it, comment. And hey, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a show. We post one on Monday and then we post a recap on Wednesday. So you always know when we're posting something when you subscribe. That's liveforeverish.com. I'm Dr. Mike. Thanks for listening.